church. So glad you're here. If you're able, would you stand? We're going to spend some time worshiping your song.
Good morning, good morning. Welcome to the Hoya Community Church. My name is Ian O'Mara. I'm the director. Good morning, Rand. Good to see you. I haven't seen you since Thursday. How's everybody doing this morning? There's excitement in here. Hugs going around, high fives. People hate shaking hands. This is amazing. That's what it's about. We're the body of Christ. We're meant to connect. How many people have their bulletins? If you flip over to your bulletin, you have our prayer and connect card. This is vital to us. We're a church that's rooted in prayer, and we're a church that believes that we're better together. And the way we do this is with our prayer connection card. It doesn't matter how big the prayer is or how small it is. Just write it down there. Even if you just want to put your name, we're still going to pray for you. So we encourage everybody. We're going to take 15 seconds right now. We encourage everybody to fill that out, even if it's just jotting down, jotting down your name. If you have information you want us to have, fill that in there too. We'll take about 15 seconds. past Friday, we had our Harvest Festival. How many people participated or came by for the Harvest Festival? It was an amazing event. Almost a thousand people were on our campus serving and visiting. Kids were running around on sugar highs. Candy was flying everywhere. But the whole thing is that they got to know that this church, this school is here for them. What a great opportunity. So give yourselves a round of applause. For our first announcement, I want to direct our attention to a short video. Hello, my name is Corey Jones. Um, 
have raised in a family of nine in a very poor um, Ghana. We live in a clay house. I remember going to school with no money, food, and I remember in grade four, 12 years old, I was in class when all of a sudden there was a loud noise. What we saw was Operation Christmas Child. They were in our school. They told us Jesus loves you because the Bible tells you so. And after the message, they gave us a box. As soon as I got my box, I took my books, my bag, I just left to the house, ran home. And when I got home, I showed it to my family. And we opened it, and to my amazement, I had a yo-yo, toy car, pencils, and I just can't say how grateful I was. Whenever I wrote that yo-yo, I remember, Jesus loves me because the Bible tells me so. And what I would say is thank you, thank you as you are doing this ministry. It means a lot to me because the seed of God was sown in my life. And I'm here today because of the good work that you started with this ministry. And God has blessed me through that box. What a great message. We've done this for a couple years now. Operation Christmas Child's been around for 25 years. It's, a, it's an opportunity for those in underprivileged areas to receive a gift. And the best part of the gift, they receive it, receive it in Jesus' name. After the first service, a lady shared that uh, a friend of hers received the box in uh, Nigeria. And the guy said, Jesus loves you and gave it the box. And it rocked her world because no one had ever told her that they loved her. And now this guy, Jesus, loved her. And she was receiving a gift. This is a low impact. It just takes a little time, a little energy. You fill the box and you, you bring it back here. We're going to be receiving them the 12th to the 19th of November. You could drop it off at the school. You could drop it off here at the church. It's, just a, it's a great way to bless those in need. If you want more information, you can see in your bulletin. There's a link there. Our uh, next one is our stories event coming up in uh, November. On the 10th is our women's event, stories. How many people are excited about that? Oh, that was weak. <laughs> Hold on, let's, let's reset, rewind. How many people are excited about stories? <laughs> if you haven't registered, take time. There's a link in their bulletin. You can always go to our web website, ljcc.org. It's going to be a great event. You're going to hear the testimony of women of how God is working their lives. You're going to fellowship with women all morning. There's going to be a great lunch. Take time, fill that out. Uh, if you have questions, you can come see us at the events table. We have sign-ups there. Uh, it's going to be $25, and even if you can't do the $25, just let us know. We'll help you through that. Our last announcement is our alternative gift market. That's going to be on the 18th of November. Only thing you need to do is just save the date. It's going to be after our first and second service. It's going to be an opportunity to buy gifts and bless those in underprivileged areas or in underprivileged uh, situations. It's going to be a great opportunity. So mark your calendar. That's November 18th. Well, the, today is our finishing of our Embrace series. We started off the month with Embrace Grace, we went into Embrace Joy, went into Embrace Perseverance last week, and this week we're going to be doing Embrace Hope. Now I'm going to invite Gerard up here, him and his wife Jeannie, uh, they've started a ministry, it's called Awakening to God a couple of years ago, and they started in, from a, a place of tragedy, the place of, of uh, really leaning on God. And Gerard, is a, he's been a banker, he's been a pastor, he's been an author, he's a speaker, he's been part of Alpha, if you know what that is. But I'm going to invite him up and he's going to tell his story today. Ian, thank you so much for your warm welcome. And really, it's genuinely my privilege and honor to be with you today. 
As you can tell from my accent, uh, we're from Chicago. So, <laughs> Actually, we're very proud to say that um, we've been in the U.S. for 18 years, and we're now, we now have our U.S. citizenship. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we love to, to cheer USA in the Olympics and things like that. It's, uh, it's great. We're very proud of that. So we're, we're speaking about hope this morning. And so I'm going to start from the very beginning to, to ask the question, what is hope? If you looked it up online or in a dictionary, what would you find? And I think you would find something like this. It's a feeling that something desired can be had or will happen. So young people are hoping that mum and dad are going to give them the game they want for their birthday or Christmas. Or you're hoping you're going to find friends at your new school or new class or new college. You're hoping you're going to find your soulmate to marry. Parents, grandparents are hoping and praying that the children will come to know Jesus Christ and will follow him and find his will for their lives. Hope's about a better tomorrow. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said these words, and it speaks really to the fact that hope really is shown when we're going through hard times, particularly shown. It's like that light shining in the darkness. He said hope is a cheerfulness in a desperate situation. And hope is like a light inside, if you like. It's like the pilot light on a, on a boiler that, as long as it's going, the boiler can come alive. When that hope goes, quickly life goes as well. Uh, I don't know how many people saw the, the film Unbroken here. Did you, did you see that? Do you remember those, that, they, that plane went down in the ocean and three of them were caught? Uh, they were in those uh, life rafts. Two of them had hope. One of them didn't. And he died, didn't he? He didn't survive it. And that's the case over and over again. Hope is a, is a powerful, powerful thing in our heart. Well, you know, we live in an, in an era, in an age of hopelessness. I don't know if you know that. Uh, last year, the World Health Organization announced that the biggest global illness now is depression and the biggest cause of death for those under 35 is suicide. Now, John Eldridge, who you, some of you may have read his books, uh, Wild, Wild at Heart and others, he made, the, he made the observation that depression and suicide are both symptoms of hopelessness where people have, less, have lost hope. They don't see any hope for tomorrow. They hate their life today, they don't see any, any hope for tomorrow, and so they may as well finish it off. That's the era we live. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a great opportunity to hold forth Christian hope. So what is Christian hope? Well, it's a living hope, for one. Uh, 1 Peter 1 verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is a hope not in a way of life or in a philosophy. It's a hope in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Not based on, on a, a sort of wishful thinking, but based on good historic evidence. Jesus was seen after he rose again from the dead. Eyewitness accounts written down on parchments passed down over the generations. Over 500 people saw Jesus over a six-week period. Jesus is alive. And many of us here today can say, yeah, he's alive. I was speaking to him just, just a few minutes ago. I was talking to him. It's a living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Secondly, it's a blessed hope. Why is it a blessed hope? Well, in Titus 2 verse 13, it says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He's coming back. Jesus is coming back. 
And although we may be going through difficult times now, and we see all the suffering and the pain all around us in this world, there's a great hope that's ahead, that we're heading for our real home, where there's no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. Jesus is going to come back, and everything is going to be put right. He makes everything beautiful in his time. This is the hope we have as followers of Jesus Christ, and we can hold it forth in these days of darkness. Romans 15 verse 13 says, The God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We should be so full of hope as followers of Jesus. And we shine that out into, into a world where there's hopelessness. Faith and hope are cousins. They go hand in hand. Uh, Hebrews 11 verse 1, it says, uh, Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of the things that we can't see. Well, how does this hope work out in a, in a Christian's life? And I want to share a, a, our story, a bit of our story, in the, in the time that we have, um, where Jeannie and I have known, experienced utter darkness, and out of it, hope has shone through into triumph. So the picture you've got behind, behind me is our, our family. On your left is our beautiful daughter, Rebecca. Uh, then is Ben. Uh, then, then, then there's me. Then there's Jeannie. Then there's Alex, our youngest. And uh, I used to have this picture up in my office at work, and they used to, people used to come in and say, oh, you've got four children, have you? Because Jeannie looks, looks so young, and she still looks very young, and is, uh, very beautiful as well. Well, that picture was taken just uh, after we'd arrived in the USA. Prior to that, uh, I'll go back and do a bit of the backstory. So I was brought up in a Christian home, came to know Jesus as a young boy, and um, went to all the, all the, the good things that young, young Christians go to, went to Christian camp, was brought up on the Word of God, uh, went to church on Sunday, all of those good things. I knew Jesus as my Saviour. I'd asked him into my heart to forgive my sins, to be my good shepherd, to lead me in my life. Well, I got to my mid-teens and I realised actually I was being a hypocrite. I was talking about Jesus in, our, in religious education lessons, but I wasn't living it. And my friends were looking at me and they were thinking, what's this guy talking about? And the last thing I wanted to put uh, was put other people off what I knew to be true, just because I couldn't put Jesus in the right place in my heart. So I said to Jesus, if you don't mind, um, I want to take the steering wheel of my life. And in my, in my mid-teens, I went headlong into the world and running became a god to me. I ate it, slept it, drank it. I did 800 metres. It was the wrong era, because I was running in the UK, and it was a time of Sebastian Coe, and Steve Irvine, and Peter <laughs> Elliott, on and on. They were all... So I, I hardly had any chance of getting to the top. But I, I won the university championships for England and Wales at 800. Got up to a pretty high level. Uh, had a business, had all these things going for me. Met a beautiful ballerina whose name was Jeannie. She's singing to my right here. Um, in, in my, uh, about 40 years ago. And, and then, in 1980, God came knocking on my door. I guess it was that commitment I made early on, but he came knocking on my door. And he wrote, my brother wrote to me, I received a letter on February the 13th, 1980. And in it was a line that was so powerful. You see, I had a plan for my life. I knew where I wanted to go, I wanted to get to the Olympics, I wanted to earn a lot of money, I wanted to be famous, and I saw everything flowing from that. And I was a planning guy, I could plan things out, I thought it was not a bad plan. But my brother wrote to me, he said this, he said, Gerard, and I guess he would say it for all of us, he would say it for all of us here in this room. He said, Gerard, God's got a plan for your life made out of perfect love. 
So I'm sitting there. Now it's, I couldn't get these words out of my mind. I'm sitting there. Now it's February the 14th, Valentine's Day. I'm sitting at my desk. There's no one else around, no Christians, anything else. And I'm thinking, hang on, my plan? Not a bad plan. But he's the creator of the universe. See, I never have a problem believing in God. I mean, you just look at creation and everything. You know, God's real. You know God's real. He's got a plan for my life made out of perfect love. And as I sat there, God spoke to me. It wasn't audible, it was very clear in my mind. He just said, Gerald, if you go my way, you may not get all the things you want on the outside. He said, but I'll give you fullness of life on the inside. And it was like a light came on inside. I got it. I got it. I could achieve all the things that I was planning, but if inside I was miserable, what have you got? Nothing. What does it mean? It's nothing to you, does it? But I could see the opposite as well. That if I've got nothing on the outside, but if God gives me fullness of life on the inside, love and joy and peace, which is what everybody's after, I've got everything. And now I'm the richest person in the world. And so at that moment, I surrendered everything to God. You've probably heard the analogy. Before, I just asked Jesus into the front room, you know, into the hallway of my house. All the other rooms, pleasure, making money, all these other things, I wanted to be in control. Now I said, okay, God, you have it all. You have it all. And as I, as I surrendered all to God, something happened in that room. I had an encounter with God in that room. And I started to cry like a baby. I was a captain of the track team. We had people like Sebastian Coe and other Olympic athletes on our team. Uh, I was one of the lads on campus. Hadn't cried for seven or eight years. I wept like a baby. Why was I crying? Because this liquid love was being poured into my heart. That's all I can describe. It's like liquid love. I fell head over heels with Jesus Christ. All I wanted to do from there on was to please him. You see, when you love someone, all you want to do is to please them, isn't it? All I wanted to do was to please him and for him to be made known. Not, not religion in the wrong sense, but to meet with Jesus. To meet his heart of amazing love and kindness. The beauty of him. I couldn't put the Bible down. I find I was, I was just, it was like red hot. I used to eat it, sleep it, drink it, out through the night and everything. Wanted to tell my friends, went out and told all of my friends and their jaws dropped as I was telling them I'm following Jesus now. Wrote to Jeannie, she was overseas, told her what had happened. Funny story, because she rang me up and said, Gerard, does that mean you're going to become a monk? That was, a, that was her, her thoughts. And I stopped swearing overnight as well. That was the fourth thing that happened in that encounter with God. Well, from then on, long story short, Jeannie, Jeannie came back, she, she uh, came to know Jesus as well, received him as her saviour, we got married. Now we surrendered everything to God, we said, okay God, what do you want to do with our lives? She put her dancing, she was a professional ballerina, she put it on the altar, I put my running on the altar, my business on the altar, all of it. And we said, if you want us to do it, Lord, fine, if not, that's okay. You see, when you're filled in your heart, you can take things or leave things. When you're really full, when you're really full of God and really satisfied, you can take it or leave it, it doesn't matter. Because he's filling you. He's your fullness. So we surrendered. We ended up in London. Uh, I, I ended up, I was on an executive program through university. I ended up actually serving in a bank. I was in, in banking. But I also ended up pastoring. I was sort of co-laboring. My tent making was banking. But I was pastoring with these other guys as well in London. A very lively church in central London. And we saw God doing amazing things. People come to know Jesus. It was amazing. And we thought that... God was going to have us in London until he came back or until we went to be with him. That was our vision, to be, to be there in London. But sometimes God interrupts our plans. Sometimes he takes in a different direction to where we want to go. And it was very clear 
uh, in 20, uh, 2001, God wanted us to move. And I was asked to go to, to New York to launch a global product with HSBC, who I was working for at the time. And so we did. We said, okay, yeah, we'll go. It was very clear. God made it so clear. And so we moved. It was a huge move. Went to New York. And, and then I was asked to do the integration between HSBC and Household Finance. Some of you may remember the, the uh, acquisition that we made at the time. So we moved to Chicago. And in 2004, just after this photograph was taken, I said to G, does it get any better than this? Does it get any better than this? We were on the top of the mountain. Had a great walk with Jesus. Loved him so much. I had a wonderful, beautiful wife who I loved so, so much. Our children were just magnificent. They, all knew, they knew the Lord, all three of them. They were brilliant athletes, all of them. And, and very talented, very popular. We were, we were in a great church. We were seeing people come to know Jesus in our front room. We were running Alpha in our front room. In, living in this amazing house, beautiful house, place called Lake Forest on the North Shore of Chicago. And I was earning a ridiculous amount of money as an international ex, expat banker. Does it get any better than this? Top of the mountain. And some of you here may be on the top of the mountain. And you know, everything's great. The sky's blue, the birds are singing, everything's fantastic. And if that, that's okay. If you're there, praise God. Bless you. you know, enjoy it. Enjoy it. But remember that Jesus actually said it in John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Not you might, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. We live in a very broken world, don't we? world full of brokenness in rebellion to God. And we're in a spiritual battle as well. And so that's the promise that we have. And after I'd said those words to Jeannie, we'd enjoyed those great times. It was wonderful. And that's all right to do that. But shortly after I'd said those words to Jeannie, it was as though Satan had been released to attack us in every area of our life. Some of you may know the story of Job. It felt like that. And when, whereas everything had been going great, now everything started to, to, to cave in, as it were. Came to the bottom of the valley at the end of 2005, when our youngest son, Alex, he was 17 years old. He was a brilliant, brilliant athlete, popular boy. He was trying to help someone at school. And this is a, this is a message of warning, to a certain extent, to young people here. Be wise, be very wise with your friendships. Well, he ended up taking a drug with this boy and he became delusional. Really messed his mind up. We thought he would get over it. Of course we did. We, we, we really did think he would get over it. But on, on the 8th of November, 2005, Alex went out of our home and he hung himself. I I, when I tell this story, I never try and describe the pain because there aren't the words to describe the pain that a parent goes through in the passing of a child. Suicide is that much greater because it's not just the loss and grief of the child, it's the blame that comes with it. Why didn't you see it? Why didn't you do something about it? My beautiful bride, Jeannie, her mother's heart was shattered and she went from shock to horror to bitterness, to unbelief. She couldn't reconcile this God we'd been serving for 24 years with everything, every ounce that we had. How could he have allowed this to happen? How could this have happened? We'd prayed over our children, prayed the blood of Jesus over, all, all of these. How could this have happened? And she lost her faith for two years. 
And she nearly died of a broken heart. She had to have emergency surgery. She, was, she, she nearly lost her mind. Uh, evil, evil thing is suicide. Very evil. Well, as much as Jeannie ran away from God, I ran to God. And I would get up in the middle of the night and I'd go downstairs to my study and I, I would cry with God until I had no more tears to cry. I wept and I wept and I wept. And in those moments of utter brokenness, God was very, very real and very present in that room. Very present. I remember one day it was so very real that I felt an arm around my, my shoulders as I was sobbing. And I, was so, I looked up to see who was there. Well, there was no one there physically. But there was someone there. I realised that Jesus was there with me. And what really struck me was that he was weeping with me. He was crying with me. And I realised that we were, we were entering into something of God's suffering for all that's going on in the world at this moment. Now you might be saying, well hang on, if, if God's all powerful, uh, why doesn't he stop it? Why doesn't he do something about it? That's a good question. Don't ever worry about questioning, by the way. God can deal with your questions. Just keep coming to him. <laughs> but the thing is that, here's the point, and here's what I came to understand, was that, yeah, God is going to stop it. There's going to be a day when Jesus comes back and this age is going to come to an end and there will be no more suffering and pain and all of those good things. But here's the point. The other side of the coin is, at that point when Jesus comes back, this age comes to an end. This age of decision, because this is what it is, comes to an end. This is the time where we either choose Jesus or reject Jesus, which determines your eternal destiny. And also, it's a time where we are literally living out God's will for our lives. And so here's the dilemma. On the one hand, God feels the suffering, every bit of suffering. If you're suffering here this morning, I want you to know how much, God's, how much God, his heart is broken for you. God feels and sees every bit of suffering on this earth. We realised that we were entering, entering into his suffering with him. And so I would get up and I would go and I realised I was going to a special place. And here's a word of encouragement for you if you're suffering today. Whatever way that you may be suffering. There's a place called the throne of grace. Hebrews 4 verse 16. It says we go boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now what is grace? Well, there's lots of different definitions. I have a very simple one, and that's Jesus. <laughs> Ultimately, grace is Jesus. It's his life that he gives to us. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he'll take from what is mine, and he'll make it known to you. He gives us everything we need to do his will. What have you been called to do? His grace, his life, comes to us. So, for example... Through the day, Ginny would be offloading her pain onto me. Her mother's heart was broken. And it was a very, very painful time. And I used to get to the end. I knew that God was saying to me, Gerald, I want you to keep loving Ginny. She's in darkness. Keep loving her. Keep pouring your life out. But I would get, honestly get to the end of the day and I'd say, well, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm dying here. She would be offloading her pain. Well, I'd get up in the night, go down to that throne of grace, be with Jesus. I'd offload all, offload all my pain to him. And he did something very special in return. He poured more of his love into my heart. Romans 5, 5. And I'd get up the next morning, and guess what I found in my heart? There was more love for Jeannie. I could keep on loving her. That's the grace of God, you see. Whether you need strength or wisdom, 
or love, whatever it is, it's the grace of God that comes to us supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. I learned about grace in those special times the Holy Spirit came to me. I also learned about the eternal perspective. I came to see that this life is just a vapour. You see, when you, when you actually go close to God and you move closer in, you start to see things, you awaken to a bigger vision of God and his eternal plan and purpose. And I came to see that through scripture, you'll see that God works through situations that look as though they're disastrous. So with Joseph, remember with Joseph, he went through terrible evil with his brothers. At the end, in, in, in Genesis 50, verse 20, he said, you, to his brothers, you intended this for evil. God intended it for good, for the saving of many lives. And I came to realize that God works through our brokenness for his eternal plan and purpose. It's interesting because now I'm seeing eternity, I'm desperate for souls. Now, I'd always had a heart for souls, people who didn't know Jesus. That's why we were running Alpha in our home in 1995 all the way through and in the city. Desperate that people would come to know Jesus Christ. But now I'm seeing eternity. It's gone up another several notches. I know what's coming. I know, as the Bible says, this life is, is a vapour. It's a breath. I know it seems very intense now, but relative to eternity, it really is just that. Sometimes I, I have a ribbon with me and I, I take off one little thread and I hold it up and I say, get someone come up, take the ribbon out to give the illustration. That's your life here on earth now. Just this thread. The ribbon goes on and on. Unfortunately, it comes to the end. It's not a perfect analogy there. Eternity goes on forever. Now is the time of decision. So I'm seeing the eternal perspective. At that time, I was headhunted to lead Alpha USA. How many people have heard of Alpha here? Quite a few. Alpha is all about saving souls for eternity. <laughs> all right? It's a wonderful on-ramp for people coming to know Jesus. We've been running it all these times, run over 50 courses. And now I'm being asked to do it full-time, to run this, this, this amazing organisation here in the United States. So I, I left to, to run Alpha and it was, it was amazing. We saw hundreds of thousands of people come to know Jesus over the eight years that I was serving with Alpha. And I came to realise that God works through our brokenness and our suffering. You see, his life in us comes through our brokenness and it touches other people's lives. And you come to realise, I consider, as Paul said in Romans 8, 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that, that will be revealed in us. God's working out his eternal plan and pleasure. Joni Erickson Tata, some of you may have heard of her, she's a paraplegic, had a terrible accident, I think as a 16-year-old. And she said this, she said, sometimes God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. You see, in the context of eternity, it changes how you view things down here. Well, our beautiful daughter, Rebecca, she was broken-hearted with her brother going home early. And uh, she, again, another brilliant athlete. She got a scholarship to Loyola University. She did an MBA, uh, got it at 25 years old, could have gone into the corporate world. But she was, she was so broken by Alex, and she said to us, she said, you know, um, I can't bear the thought of young people dying without knowing Jesus. And she said, I want to do everything I can uh, to help them come to know him. So she said, Dad, can I come and join you at Alpha? And I said, yeah, that would be pretty good. I'd love you to come and join us at Alpha. Well, she, she became the national director for Alpha Youth. And she was going up, up and down the country uh, doing, 
doing amazing things. And, um, and then in May of 2014, we can actually, you've got the picture of Rebecca up there. We were actually down in San Diego. There was a Latino conference here, big Latino conference. And I was having the honor of, of sharing platforms with her. We'd go up around the country sharing, speaking about Jesus. And we were here together. It was a great privilege to do that. I had to leave because I'd go to London with Jeannie for a, for a conference. She stayed on to do some more engagements. And then on, on May the 7th, 2014, she went back to Chicago. She was, when she wasn't traveling, she was living with us, which was a great blessing and privilege. Well, that, Rebecca was a great runner. The next morning was the 8th of May, and she decided to go out for a run. It was a very, very hot day. And she went down to Lake Michigan. We're not quite sure what happened. We knew that she tried to cool off because she'd taken her shoes and socks off. And we knew that she had blood sugar issues. I think what happened was that she fell, she fainted, and she fell into the lake. And she couldn't get out where she had fallen in. And she tried to swim around to a boat ramp. The water was 37 degrees. She got hypothermia. And she drowned. I saw Jeannie's brokenness after Alex and I, I, I knew, I didn't know how she was going to make it through. So I, I told her, she, she realized, she didn't tell me this, but she, she wasn't going to make it. She'd eight years and she nearly died after Alex and now our beautiful, precious daughter, Rebecca, as well. And she, Rebecca, uh, Jeannie decided she was going to take her own life. She, could, she just couldn't do it. She couldn't do it. She was too broken. She went up to Rebecca's room. And she opened the door, and as she went in the room, God was there. I wasn't physical, she didn't see her being, but it was just light. His light came in this room. And she had an experience of heaven. It was just the presence of God came in the most amazing way in that room. And God said many things to, to Jeannie. Um, one of the things he said to her was, Jeannie, your grief is not your own. Profound. Well, she came down from that room. I was down in our kitchen, and I looked, I turned around, and there was Jeannie walking in, and her, her whole countenance had changed. You see, it only takes a second in God's presence, and we're transformed. You remember Moses up the mountain? Uh, he came down, his face glowed. Jeannie was a bit like that. Her face was glowing. I said, what's happened to you? Well, a friend popped in just at that time, looked at Jeannie, and said exactly the same thing. Gee, what's happened to you? And then we have, we're going to see some friends later that evening. And the same thing, three witnesses. The woman opened the door. She jumped back and sort of said, Gee, what's happened to you? Her face was being transformed. Her whole life was transformed in the presence of God. She says now, that in, that, in that presence, she said, I have no fear of death anymore. Because if, if that's what heaven's like, can't wait, she says. Can't wait. Transform. So now Jeannie and I are on the same page. We don't like this cup. It's a bitter, bitter cup. But we want to be faithful. And one of the things she got impression when she was there in God's presence was desperate now. She said, I want to hear him say to me when I'm face to face with him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've done what I want you to do. And so we want to be faithful now. We want to say to God, okay, use this brokenness for your glory. 
Whatever, however you want to use it, use it now for your glory. Glorify yourself. And as we look through scripture, I, I haven't come across anybody in scripture who didn't go through brokenness. Tell me if you ever find somebody. I haven't found someone. Right at the, at the centre of our Christian faith is the greatest suffering that you'll ever come across. The, the spotless, sinless Son of God, the beautiful Jesus Christ himself, was tortured to death in front of his mother and his Father, Heavenly Father, and the angels in heaven. And yet, through that, he rescued the world. John 3, 16. Amazing. See, God works through our brokenness. And so we're saying, okay, God, how do you want to use it? Well, there's three things that, that God has impressed upon us in our brokenness. And this is how our ministry has been birthed. First of all, it's the hope of eternity. You see, we know that this life is just a vapour. We know that we're going to see Rebecca and Alex again. Yes, they're both in heaven. And yes, God does forgive if people know Jesus before they go. He does forgive the sin of, of suicide. Yes, it is a sin. But his blood is sufficient to cover that sin. Praise God. So we're going to see Alex and we're going to see Rebecca again. They're in eternity. We've come to realise the brevity of life, as Moses says in, in Psalm 90, verse 12. You see, when you see that this life is just a vapour, it changes how you view things. It changes your priorities. It changes when Jesus said, build up for yourselves treasure in heaven. We are rewarded through eternity for our faithfulness to his calling here on earth. Mother Teresa said, I don't, I don't pray for success, I pray for faithfulness. To be faithful to whatever God has called each one of us to do. And he has called each one of us to a specific work on earth. While we're here, we want to be faithful. So we fix our eyes, this is how we live now, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we have a great hope of eternity, we have a great hope of calling. This doesn't happen by coincidence, this isn't random. You see, the God of heaven who holds everything together by the power of his word, he permitted this to happen. He was over all of this. Oh yes, you see with Job... He permitted Satan to do certain things. And now he's, do, he's using it for his eternal plan and purpose. Psalm 139 verse 16. You knew me in my mother's womb. Every day of my life was written in your book before one of them came to be. God is over our lives. He's in total and utter control. He never loses control. And by his grace we stand here today. Well, so it's, the, it's his calling Understanding that this is not about us. I, I don't know how many of you read Purpose Driven Life. Have you ever seen that book? Do you remember the first few words in that book? It's not about you. <laughs> so, so true. So profound. It's not about us. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus being exalted through our lives. And his name being lifted up. I love the end of Romans 11. He's just gone through the whole theology, Paul. And he concludes it with this verse. He says, For everything comes from him, that's Jesus, exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Well, then the third, the third area of hope that we come to see is the hope of triumph. You see, God not only redeems us through the cross of Jesus Christ, not only does he restore us in our brokenness, he brings us comfort, the comfort wherewith we've been comforted, we can comfort others. He comforts us, and maybe some this morning need that comfort in your brokenness, wherever you are. And God's here for you this morning to do that. The Holy Spirit comes and he comforts us. But the third part is that he leads us in triumph. 
He doesn't want to just leave us in that place. He wants us to triumph through everything that Satan tried to throw at us. That we turn it round for God's glory. The turning point for Jeannie when she was going through such, such brokenness. The turning point after Alex. She went into our, one of our rooms. She took out Alex's suicide note and she read it with tears pouring down her face. And as she was reading it, God just popped these words into her, mouth, into her mind. Kick Satan in the teeth. And that was a turning point for her to come out of her darkness at that time. And that's our heart, the heart that God's put inside us now. That in every area that Satan's attacked us, we want to kick him in the teeth. We want him, we want him to realise that he picked on the wrong family. And what we're starting to see now is God doing that. We birthed this thing called awakening to God. And we want, we want to see, based on Isaiah 61, 1-4, we realise that God has called us to help those who are suffering. He's given us his comfort. We want to pass it on to those who are suffering all around the world. Do you remember Jesus started his ministry, didn't he, with those words? The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to do what? To preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, bring release for the captives, captives to people who've had things happen to them through no fault of their own. Maybe they were abused as children. Maybe they lost their health. Just that we live in this broken world. And bring light to those who are in darkness, the prisoners, in other words. And that's what we're seeing happening. God's doing this through our lives now. He's opened up an incredible door for us to go into India. The land of the suffering, that's what it's called. And we're now ministering to hundreds of thousands of people out there. We, we, we're working with a missionary organisation, going from village to village. We gave out 35,000 mosquito nets uh, over the last couple of years. Now we've got a project to do 100 villages, clean water to 100 villages. We're taking good news to the poor. We're helping the broken hearted. We have people come to us from all around the world who are also broken. And we're able to pass on this hope that we have and this grace that God's given to us. Rebecca, beautiful Rebecca, who had such a close walk with Jesus. Uh, people called her the modern day saint. She was amazing. And as Jeannie was going through, we had so many letters come to us after she passed. And people said, you must pass on her legacy. Tell people about her life. Because she had such a walk with God. And as Jeannie was going through her thing, through tears pouring down, she came across all Rebecca's journals. Now we knew she journaled, but we didn't know how, how much she journaled. And so Jeannie has put this book together called Running from the Heart. Now the whole intention is to encourage, particularly young people, but all of us, to live bold, courageous lives for Jesus Christ. How, G how Rebecca did. She had all the temptations, she had all the pressures, she knew brokenness. And yet she kept her eyes on Jesus, living for him. And so we've written this book now. It's all around the world. People come to know Jesus through it. People are getting encouraged to live for Christ while they're here. Satan tried to destroy our marriage. We came within a thread of failing. Can be up to 19 out of 20 marriages fail after the suicide of a child. Well, we're now, we're now more in love than ever. That's the grace of God, isn't it, to do that? We were sharing this once and a lady came running up after the, the service. She threw her arms up. She was a marriage counsellor. She said, it's the triumph of your marriage, she said. It's the triumph of your marriage. I can't get over the fact that you've come through and you're, you're more in love now. It's all God's grace. It's his doing. And we just launched just a few weeks ago a thing called triumphformarriage.com. Uh, it's an e-learning course. People are using it all around the country now. All around the world, they're using it in India to pass on the promises that we stood on for our marriage to be, to be triumphant. So we're helping, the, we're helping the captives. We launched last week in a conference in Cleveland a thing called Prevent Suicide. 
Suicide is at epidemic levels in this country today. The young people here, who are, I can see a few of you around, be very, very careful. It's evil, absolutely evil. It doubled last year between the ages of 10 and 14. As the World Health I'll just repeat it, under 35 is the biggest cause of death now. They go online. People were telling Alex how to commit suicide, we discovered later. It's an out and out evil. It, through history, the early church, who was it who dealt with the evils of the day? It was the church. It was the Christians who stood up and said, we're going to do something about it. And so we're now, we've launched this thing called Prevent Suicide, where we want to get young people, particularly people who come through depression, who they can become warriors to help us go and rescue others. That's the message. If you've been through hardship like we have, we want to go and help other people now. We also launched this thing called uh, Restoring Hope to the Captives. That's helping girls, mainly girls, coming out of sexual slavery. That's an evil. Five million girls in India, as we speak, are held now in sexual slavery. 3,000 girls here in Southern California are in sexual slavery. There's a girl called Ori who we connect to, we're connecting with. And she was taken in to sexual slavery at 11 years old. She was rescued at 15 and a half. But this is the bit I love the most. She came out and her heart was, I want to spend the rest of my life going to rescue other girls. Praise God. You see, God wants to take our brokenness and turn us into warriors. David's mighty men, they started off as broken people. Who did they become? His mighty men. <laughs> Great warriors. So if you've got brokenness in your life today, maybe things happened in the past, I want to encourage you that God wants not only to restore you, but to turn you into someone who can go and help other people. So we encourage you to, to uh, um, yeah, take those. We've got a few of those left outside. Uh, and then we've got some other, other material as well. Thank you for being patient. Uh, thank you for listening so intently. And uh, we appreciate your prayers for us as we, we launch this ministry all around the world. Uh, we have 700,000, by the way, uh, people on, on our Facebook, who follow us on, on Facebook. We're reaching hundreds of thousands of, of people every day with the message of Jesus Christ. Praise God. So thank you so much.
Father, how great it is to be with you. How great it is to just sit with you. To be still for a moment and know that you are God. Know that you're the God that's even whispering. As we tune our ears to hear your voice and fix our gaze to see you when it feels like you're not there. Would you remind us of the sweetness of being with you and each other? God, would you meet us in our deepest pains and our highest highs? Would you show that you're a God that's faithful and consistent even now? That you're big enough to deal with our doubts and our hurts and our pains and our hang-ups. That your love is unshifting because of those. service and to a time of tithe and offering. This is for those who call LJCC their home. If you are a guest, please feel no obligation to give. Just watch the body of Christ respond to the God who's given everything. So the natural response is to say, everything is yours, God. If you have a prayer request or the connection card, please put that in the basket as the ushers come forward now to receive our offering.
After that, we're going to check your pulse right after this. Well, next next uh, Sunday, we're going to kick off our new series, which is Practice. And if you've been with us over the summer, we started off with Refresh. We went into Renew. We went into Pursue. Then we just are finishing Embrace today. Well, next week, Pastor Steve is kicking us off with our final series and this final sermon series and this set of series called Practice. You do not want to miss it. It's going to be an amazing series. It's going to lead us right into the Advent season. So mark your calendars next Sunday. Pastor Steve is kicking off our practice series. One of the things we wanted to emphasize is, is community is so important for the body of Christ. We just heard a story about how community can come around you in those darkest moments and point you to Jesus. Lift your head up when your head is dragging. Pick you up when you're falling down. So one of the ways we're doing this is we're having these connection dinners. If you want more information about getting connected here, come see me out at the events table and we'll get you connected. And there's also life groups. There's plenty of ways. When we're in isolated, we're vulnerable. But when we're in community, when we're the body, we're strong. So I'd like to invite Gerard back up to close us with a benediction. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace 
in Jesus Christ, Lord, not only for salvation, Lord, but uh, to give us all that we need to do your will. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen every one of us by the power of your Holy Spirit in our inner beings, that we may walk by faith, and Lord, we'd have the courage to say yes to whatever your will is for our lives, Lord, that we can live out these lives here on earth to please you, do your will. I want to encourage us, you can open your eyes, I want to just, just to say these words, say these words as you look around to one another, and it just simply goes like this, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the grace, grace of our Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Be with us all.